Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Saps. And we're going to take you away from the play. episode of Away From The Play, Mel and I were so happy to have Annie Gugliag, professional skateboarder who's set to represent Canada at the Tokyo Olympics, hopefully next year, hopefully no, no more delays, but this is a big deal uh, to have Annie on our show. For sure. First off, we knew nothing about skateboarding, so she informs us, er, <laughs> my bad. She informs us a little bit about uh, what professional skateboard is, how the competitions are broken down, and speaks to the future of the sport and where she wants it to go. So before you guys go and listen, we just want you to know this episode was recorded this summer. So it might sound a little, a little, just a little outdated, but everything in there is still relevant and important. We want you to go support Annie and what she does. So enjoy this episode. Annie, this has been a long time coming. We've wanted you on the podcast since we were called The Last Stretch, and now we are called Away from the Play. We finally got you here. And I gotta say, I've heard so many cool things about you. You're a badass skateboarder and the other thing that really made it clear to me that, yeah, we got to get her on the pod was when I listened to you on Kevin Rafael's podcast, Sans Récession, and you said you love Beyonce and The Office. Yes, Those are I do. Two of my biggest passions. So, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Annie, again, thank you so much for joining us. I am personally really excited to talk to you. Specifically because I know nothing about skateboarding, you know, it's kind of one of those fringe sports that, you know, was going to get some limelight at the Olympics this year. So first off, we just kind of want to know what got you into skateboarding and then when you decided to turn it into a career. Yeah, cool. Um, so I started skateboarding in 2001. Um, so my little brother got a skateboard for Christmas, just like as a toy, like any other toy, like a bicycle uh, like I don't know like any toy um mm -hmm. and I took me like about a year or two until I really got into it because I would like see him go skate with his friends and um I just didn't at some point like I didn't understand you know the basic trick of an ollie it's like when you you jump it's called yeah. an ollie when you jump and that in the skateboard stays like sticks to your feet and <laughs> A lot of people don't understand. I was the first one to be like, how does that work? <laughs> and um, so I got really obsessed with like trying to understand that. And that's um, that's when I knew, because I was good at like a lot of sports. Like I would like play soccer with my friends and like, I don't know, like any sport basically, but like skateboarding, I just did not understand it. And um, I really got into skateboarding when I started high school and made friends who skated. Um, that's when I knew I would keep doing it for a long time. And for the career, uh, I tried to do competition when I was like 16, maybe. But at the time, like if you won um, like a national championship, like a World Cup or whatever, like the prize money was like a thousand dollars. And I <laughs> even at 16, like I kind of knew I wanted to make more than a thousand dollars a year. So... <laughs> I uh, decided to stay in school and uh, I actually made a career out of skateboarding when it was announced that it would be in the Olympics in like 2017-ish, okay. like 2018, I think. Yeah, it's only been two years and I'm 29 now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's already like a prime example of like you know, women's hockey kind of faces the same challenges. Like, mm -hmm. it can't really grow if you can't make a career out of it, like, financially. And it's it's not necessarily always about the money, but it's, like, it's kind of hard to devote your time to a sport when you have to, you know, go to work mm -hmm. or stay in school, etc. So mm -hmm. now that things have changed and, you know, it is an Olympic-sanctioned event, um, what is, like, a 
professional skateboarding career look like like in a year like are how many events are there etc is it more like snowboarding world cup at this point there was always a way to make a living off skateboarding before but for women it was like i just always thought that there were no opportunities and for example if you look at like Leticia Buffani who's like really famous in skateboarding like really famous female skateboarder uh, from Brazil like um, she kind of created her we were the same age basically and she kept pushing and she created her own opportunities in skateboarding and now like she's making a living off the traditional way of being a professional skateboarder with like sponsors and stuff like that um, but the the thing with the Olympics is that like since it's an Olympic sport um you have this whole new path for like kids who want to become athletes and like you can get carding from the government you can like we have national championships and stuff like that now so and the olympics in general so um it like created like the, the the traditional way is still valid but it just created this whole new path and it makes it a lot easier for women especially to make a living off skateboarding because a gold medal is worth the same if you're a man or a woman or a woman so the the funding is the same. So that's really cool. That's really good news for, for skateboarders. Um, but basically how it works with the Olympics is, uh, so you have like each country has national championships. And so if someone wants to like make a career out of skateboarding, they could start by obviously becoming a really good skateboarder first and then uh, going to a national championship because that's how you're gonna, um, like get your spots to go to all the Olympic qualifiers, basically. So each country gets, I think it's, I'm not like completely sure because it changed a lot in the past three years. <laughs> but I think each country gets a minimum of three spots, like three qualifiers spots. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on like the rankings and stuff, you can get more. But um, so you go to the... To the, qualif- uh, to the national championship. Then if you qualify, you go to the Olympic qualifiers and then you stack points for the Olympics. And then at the Olympics, they only, for 2021, they only have uh, 20 skateboarders uh, who are going to be in, uh, who are going to compete in each uh, event. So it's like men, women, street skateboarding and park skateboarding. So there's, that's like four events. Uh, so 80 skaters are going to go to the Olympics. So you mentioned street skateboarding and park skateboarding. Now, it seems like I could figure it out on my own (laughs) what exactly those two things look like. I think a lot of people can. But can you maybe talk to us a little bit about what are the differences between the two? Because I'm sure that there are some technical uh, differences when you're you're out there skateboarding in a park or on the street. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, it's like before the Olympics, it was like, it was just skateboarding, you know, like you had right. to be like a good all around skateboarder, basically. Um, but there's actually a really big difference between street and park skateboarding. Uh, not everyone's good at both. Uh, so street skateboarding is more like a, a like a parkour. I don't know how to say what word is the right parkour, word for that. But it, no, not, no, it's like a, it's like a course. Yeah, okay. it's like a course yeah. with like with obstacles that look like what you would find on the street. So like okay. like stairs and handrails and stuff like that. So and pe- like everyone just like like skateboarders just do tricks on the obstacles and, and right. So it's like have, an obstacle you, course. Yeah, basically. Um, right. Whereas park is more like if you think of like a bowl. So it's like yeah. transitions mm-hmm. everywhere, and you just go like you go really fast. You do like more. You you get more air, and like you go mm-hmm. really high and spin and stuff like that. So it's really different it's like basically like two it it makes sense that it's two different um two different disciplines uh I personally I skate street more like I've always skated both but I'm not in a competitive uh like I'm not good enough for parts that's for sure okay so it's kind of like um like and it makes sense for subcategories because like skiing you see this in skiing and snowboarding a lot too like there's big air there's like half pipe and and stuff so you know now that there has been this court sort of like division between park and street and this seems to have emerged mainly because of the prospects of the olympics 
So beforehand, or like if it's not national championships or qualifiers, is a competition still separated in those two categories? Or is it more like you were describing before being an all-around good skater? Um, well, I guess there were competitions in like both, like street league already existed, which is like the most like pre prestigious league of skateboarding for which became the Olympic qualifiers for street skateboarding. But like street league already existed before. And Vans Park Series, for example, is like a another competition. Um, um, yeah, that just existed already in park, but they were not seen as like the two disciplines of skateboarding you know what I mean like like you yeah. can you also had like freestyle where people just like use their hands a lot and don't really move like they're on the ground and they just do a lot of like like um like freestyle with their skateboard and like handstands and stuff like that there's also downhill that could be like a discipline in skateboarding where you just like go down the hill basically really fast <laughs> <laughs> that could like that could potentially be uh, an olympic discipline too for skateboarding but it's really different. Like I would not <laughs> go down a hill that fast. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's kind of, it's kind of like if I'm trying to make a, like make, a, just like think about hockey. Like it's like, are you like playing hockey, like the game? And then you could have like, tricks like you could do with like you know like yeah. aiming for like you know like that would be different like not because you're the best at playing hockey like the game that you would be the best at like aiming for yeah for targets and stuff like that like so it's it's the same like the essence is the same but it's the skills are different i read an article in la presse where um you mentioned that a lot of skateboarders were kind of skeptical about the olympics integrating skateboarding can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah well I was also skeptical so yeah. <laughs> I can attest that that was a thing um because skateboarding it's like there's a there's a big discourse in skateboarding that it's it's a lifestyle and it's not a sport like it's yeah it's more like an activity that you do for fun it's like mm -hmm. it's like like the like the practice of hockey if there were not like leagues and stuff like just every anyone can just like play hockey and have fun and that mm -hmm. that should I feel like that should be the the reason why you start playing hockey or like doing skateboarding in the first place so people were kind of skeptical that if it became an Olympic sport it would lose its like its essence and the fact that it's yeah it's an individual sport but it's like a really cool community and and the, the like the the businesses are all run by skateboarders and like the, people feared that they would lose that um very like uh, community aspect of skateboarding and I think that was legitimate legitimate I was also scared because <laughs> you never know like like even like when Nike entered skateboarding they faced backlash because it's not a skate like skater owned company and they actually had to change their strategies to like be legit in skateboarding yeah um so it's um that's a that's uh, something that skateboarders always felt like they had to protect like their industry and their their sport basically um so that's why there was a backlash and at first i i also like wasn't sure i was like who's gonna go to the olympics like which skaters are gonna do that like that's so right. weird <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then uh, after a couple like after i realized that if like let's say me, I could um, be on the board of directors of Canada Skateboard, which I am, and make make sure that the that this change is positive for skateboarding. Like um, I saw so much positive come out of this. Like they're building so many skate parks right now. I grew up skateboarding like plywood and and parking blocks. Like <laughs> it's really cool that now they're actually building good skate parks in Montreal and all across Canada because it's now considered an Olympic sport. And also you, the fact that now there's a lot more opportunities for women. Like those are all really positive things that made me change my mind. And also the fact that like in 2018, we had the first national championships and I, I was like, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I won. <laughs> and um, that gave me the opportunity to go to street league, which is very prestigious, as I said. And, 
like for me that was a really big deal it's like being invited to x games and that yeah. like for me that was a really big deal too and um so and through that through like my path i'm inspiring a lot of younger women to do the same and to pursue skateboarding not necessarily as a career but like as a even if it's just as a pastime like mm-hmm. it's still a whim <laughs> it's still really yeah. cool and so yeah i just now i realize how positive it, it it's been and it is so but there's still people who don't agree there's still people who will say that that it's wrong and skateboard is not a sport and i mean i personally i think it, that's been proven wrong but i mean people can have their opinion too for sure i mean i think there's always sort of this fear anytime you're kind of entering the mainstream you could say mainstream mm-hmm. corporations with, with anything because there's this fear like you don't want them to take over what you guys are and you know I, I do get that sense with skateboarding it's very like a community feel I mean I feel it's the same with like I like to like mountain bike I, I feel it's like the same with the mountain biking community as well and and sometimes you know corporations are just about the final line right they just want to make money right and you're like I don't want you to make money off of my efforts and my labor but I think you know it's nice that you've seen the positives and you get your hand into kind of what is this going to look like now that we are entering the mainstream and like you said it's a good opportunity to inspire for further generations and you know the fact that they're building parks I think is great because it is like an easily accessible sport you know like the one thing with mm-hmm. hockey that's hard is that it's so expensive. It's, yeah. you know, it's not open to everyone. You need to have ice time and equipment when, you know, with skateboarding. I, I had a skateboard when I was younger and we had a skate park and me and my brother went to go try. It wasn't for me. It was very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the persistence you did. But um, Yeah, but if no, you had a really good skate park though, because <laughs> that would help. It's true. And like, I think, you know, it's, maybe changing the sense of the community too because I found it like the skateboarding community like a little intimidating because like you said it was all men and (laughs) and like they were like teenage men and I was like younger and I was like just sticking by my brother's side because I was like a little bit scared but um you know I think also the opportunity that it is like an Olympic sport brings some you know financial benefit to certain individuals training for it because off the air I asked Safiya I was like I wonder if she gets carded and you know it seems that you do being a sanctioned sport you are funded by um you know the Canadian government which is nice because it gives I you don't the- I don't though <laughs> you don't okay no. so what is being carded for like a skateboarder like um I think for it was too fast for 2020 it's gonna happen for like the okay. next olympics but i think like with sport canada it was just too fast okay for, the way it came um, yeah. about okay so is are these probably conversations you're having being on on the board of like how can we allocate the resources <clears throat> to our athletes because this yeah. is the other thing i kind of wanted to ask you too is like maybe you could also dive into how it kind of works with um uh whatever like the Canadian Sports Committee and how does this like lead into your training because I was wondering I was like how does a skateboarder train is there a lot of like we say off ice training would it be like non-park skilled training like do you work out do you work out with other skateboarders or is it very individual in, in your approach um well I, I do like I call it like onboard and offboard training Okay, so, <laughs> but that's that's new also, and um, just the concept of having a coach is really new and feels weird for skateboarding. But uh, it, it's happening, and uh, we have our um, high performance director uh, at Canada Skateboard. His name okay. is uh, Adam Higgins, and he used to do that for snowboarding for a really long time, and now he's uh, the HP director for skateboarding. So he's actually our coach. So we only really have access to him in person during competition so he comes to the contest and he like will help us to warm up and and train uh outside of of the the contest and he'll he's going to help us send like our runs for the competition and all of that so he's really cool like that's really for me that's the most important part of like 
if I'm thinking of having a coach, like that's what I really need. Um, mm. And then we have calls every week with the like either like the every two weeks with the whole team to talk about like what what we're doing and our struggles if we have some. And then Adam calls us individually to talk about like how we're doing individually. Um, so because he lives in he lives in Squamish or Whistler. Both yeah, oh, nice. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> one of those. And uh, I'm in Montreal, so um, so it's it's a little bit hard, like from distance. But I think it works for me because I've been skateboarding for 18 years. I've never had a coach, so it would be weird to have someone like every day coming to the skate park with me and like training with me. Like that would, I think that would make me lose interest in like skateboarding on a daily basis <laughs> if I had someone just like come and be like okay today we're going to practice like crook grinds and you're going to do that for two hours like yeah. that's, that's not why I skate <laughs> so I'd rather yeah. like go with my friend and and I'm still learning tricks and and then I report to him and and um, I think for me that's how it works better but like for other especially for the younger kids like there's a, a really good um, part female skater in in uh, Toronto her name is Faye and she's I think she's 10 oh, wow. <clears throat> and she's she's really really good and she has a coach like every time she goes skate she has a coach and that's like a complete different approach like I could not do that sometimes I'm like oh I wish like, <laughs> like I look at her and I'm like wow if I were her like I just want to have like just go skate with my friends <laughs> you know mm -hmm. but she really likes it like she that's how she wants to approach skateboarding and that's I think that's really fine and um, she's obviously like she's progressing really fast also because when you're young you learn so much faster yeah but um um but it's really cool to see and I think it's there's potential for like actual coaching to work in skateboarding but it's hard to coach someone who's been <laughs> doing yeah. it for 18 years for fun. <laughs> that must have been such a big adjustment too, just like the introduction of a coach into like your daily life. And then, and yeah. Then, and I feel like for younger generations, it will just become the norm. I, we didn't even have like tutorials when I was young. Like just learning how to ollie took me six months because I had to wait to see someone who could ollie like <laughs> somewhere in the wild <laughs> and just observe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. we didn't have YouTube and Instagram and all of that so I had my little brother but he wasn't like much he wasn't much better than me so. <laughs> you were both learning at the same time yeah exactly <laughs> so I was yeah. curious to know like obviously because you know because of the pandemic the Olympics had to be pushed you know we asked you a little bit about what your year looks like but now what what do your days look like I mean we're, we're, we're getting out of the house more, you know, as a province where Mel and I are also in Montreal. So we kind of see people out and about, like, do you have access to, I'm, I'm guessing the parks are open. Honestly, I've still been quarantining at home. I don't know what's open, but like, you know, like I'm wondering how has your day-to-day -day changed compared to, you know, what it was like back in March? Um, well, the past two years, actually, like they've, they've been relatively structured, well, way more than my usual life. So like I, I had like, like weekly plans for skating and I would like, like a schedule, basically. <laughs> I just never had a schedule. <laughs> so I had a schedule and like, like competition, like a, even a yearly schedule where like, I knew every week what my goal was, like, is it uh -huh. competition training or is it like skate for fun or or like more strength and conditioning and less skating and stuff like that, uh -huh. um, depending on the competitions that were coming up. Um, when the pandemic and it was announced that like we were all quarantining, um, I kind of put that on hold because we didn't know what was going to happen. And then the Olympics were postponed. So I just, I honestly, it was kind of a relief at that point because uh -huh. I didn't know, because it was just hard to be in quarantine and, Still, still trying to train yeah, for yeah. like the Olympics, like from my living room. <laughs> like at some point, I was kind of joking and I was posting videos on Instagram of me skating on my treadmill. <laughs> I think I saw those. Those were pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like, because it, it was just ridiculous at that point, and I, I actually had a lot of fun for like a month. I was doing all those like floors lava <laughs> challenges, yeah, yes, <clears throat> and learning TikTok dances. <laughs> but um, it. Um, so 
it, it was kind of stressful. And now that it's postponed to next year, my schedule is kind of like, I don't really have a schedule. I told myself I would take a, like the summer off to just skate, not off, but actually I'm skating a lot more basically than I was, but I'm just skating for fun. And yeah. that's like really important. I'm kind of like recharging those stress and mental battery batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm skating for fun for the whole summer and I'm going to start training again in the fall. Um, so my, basically I don't have a schedule <laughs> to answer your question, but uh, I'll go out. Like I still have little plans. Like let's say like this week or next week, there's a, a virtual, like an Instagram contest. Uh, for skateboarders and it's uh, basically you film a two-minute edit and there's a list of challenges like skate over water and do a trick over like a hydrant and stuff like like the Tony Hawk game (laughs) you know there's like a list of challenges and I'm I teamed up with one of my friends who's a videographer and we're gonna go and film for like 10 days for this Uh, and then it's just like an Instagram contest and basically just for fun but that's what I'm I'm doing this summer like just trying to enjoy this so we could basically leave at 9 a.m and come back at 9 p.m and uh be outside for like 12 hours but I rarely skate more than six hours a day because after you're kind of exhausted and you can you can get hurt too so Mm -hmm. um but I don't really have a that's like my whole point (laughs) right now is not having a schedule uh and also it depends on the weather a lot that's true outdoor sport but I mean I think it's I think it's good to recharge and like remind yourself like why you do what you do I think sometimes like when a sport becomes professional and and micromanaged with various federations associations you could lose the fun in it you know it becomes too much like a job and and I think that's when you just get into your head and you know I think reminding yourself that it's it is just a sport and like you do it because you have fun with it and love it but I will say six hours a day sounds so long (laughs) yeah but it's it's fun we work out that's true (laughs) but but you know like one of the things for 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 that is like right before I started like quote-unquote training on my skateboard I had a I went to Japan with like a group of athletes from like Canadian athletes who are I don't know like in fencing and diving uh like canoe like just like all around athletes mm-hmm. who are on the national team and we went to Japan for like eight days and I brought my board because I was like hey going to Japan I'm gonna go skate and they were all like you're not taking a break from your sport like what <laughs> like I'm so glad I'm out of the pool for like a week and they were all like oh I'm so glad I'm not whatever like insert sport here and I was like I cannot leave the house without my board <laughs> like you know what I mean like that was before I was like I was training for for skateboarding and for me like I at that moment I told myself I was like I never want to feel like I'm obligated to skate and it just like becomes a job and I hate it you know and it's it's been really important for me through all this whole like olympic journey to enjoy the process and not just focus on like mm-hmm. going to the olympics like mm-hmm. like i've been taking breaks throughout the process like telling adam the the coach like hey i like <clears throat> i'm not gonna do this because i i need to i just want to go skate for fun like this week like i'm not gonna do the strength and conditioning mm-hmm. i feel weak like i feel tired i'm just gonna rest like i've okay. just been adjusting a lot to to how I feel because I don't want to be in a position where I'm like I don't like skateboarding anymore (laughs) you know well it's important to like reconnect with why you why you started skateboarding and and it was for fun and it's it's good that you're also able to kind of have that conversation with your coach to be like listen today I'm just gonna take it easy or today I'm just gonna do it for fun because now's the Mm -hmm. time honestly um I was wondering so given that the games are pushed will your year become more scheduled or is it still kind of up in the air at the moment? Yeah. Well, I, I, I took a break for like this summer, but I want to go back to training more um, in the fall. Cause also 
like we're in Montreal, so being outside is like a blessing yeah, for a couple yeah. months. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of want to just be able to go to the skate park and hang out with my friends all day and and skate. Like I've been skating like four hours a day on average, basically. Like I I still like I'm skating a lot, but I don't want to because it's easier to have a scheduled training um, if you're let's say like during the the winter. I go to Taz and Spin. I, we, basically, we only have two indoor skate parks close to Montreal. Mm -hmm. So I only have two options to go skate. And it's much easier to plan like a whole week if you're like, okay, well, Monday morning, I'm going to go to Spin for four hours and then blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, like it's so much easier to when you don't have to deal with the weather or, or with anything else. Um, so as like when fall comes I'm gonna start planning like do my yearly training like I'm gonna start it probably in like September or something right. and then start planning because um the thing with the Olympics is that we're not we're not uh, qualified yet in skateboarding so we still had all the like most of the qualifying competitions that were supposed to happen from March to May basically everything was canceled but we we're supposed to have like 10 competitions I think from March to May and they were all canceled. Uh, so this is going to be, this is also postponed to next year, but instead of 10, I think they on, they're only scheduling four or five. Um, okay. Yeah, just to, because it didn't make sense in the first place to have 11 competitions in like three months. Well, I was going to say that it seems was, like a was, lot. <laughs> yeah, it was also because for like one competition, let's say like we had like the first one that was canceled was in Lima. So basically you traveled to Lima yeah. <laughs> for like Saturday and then practice starts, like you get there Sunday or whatever, like the practice starts Monday and then the competition runs through Sunday because the practice, the finals are going to be on Sundays. You have like practice and then qualifiers and then semifinals and then like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. So you have a whole week there. And then the, So it, the finals were on Sunday in Lima and you had practice start in like Sydney on Monday. Like, you know what I mean? Like oh, wow. it didn't make yeah. sense. And you're just going to be like the whole time. It was actually so crazy. Like it was dangerous. That's what the athletic council was saying. Like, because they, they had to plan that so quick for, for the Olympics, like the, or um, international uh, federation of skateboarding. Yeah. Like they, I understand, like they had to plan it so quick and, but, the acid council like after a couple contests we were like people are gonna, are gonna die like we're just gonna get so hurt yeah <laughs> also if you're yeah if you're sore if you like roll your ankle or like you're just done <laughs> yeah so and I mean, you're it was just dangerous. gonna dilute the the sort of quality you're getting from your athletes because oh, they've a thousand been like, percent wrecked. exhausted yeah. Exactly. So that's why they're gonna have only four or five like one one every three weeks I think okay like that. so it's more reasonable but does that put more pressure on each competition because you have like half the amount of competition to rack up qualifying yeah points. okay yeah but it's I'd rather have four competitions that I can get ready for than yeah. like 11 in which I can't eat I don't even have time to rest mm -hmm. okay <laughs> Now, I have, like, a more detailed question about, like, in competition because, like, you were saying, you know, you get ready for your runs. So, mm -hmm. you know, the design, I assume, of each venue is different. Do you, yeah. do you get, like, uh, you know, a notice of, like, what obstacles and, like, what sort of – what the terrain's going to look like beforehand? Or is this what you do once you get there and you have those practice training sessions leading up to the – the actual qualifying rounds mm -hmm. um so you, you get a photo not a photo but like a 3d plan of the design okay. i think a week before you leave a, a week before the first day of practice so uh okay. that's that's really cool but it's i uh, one thing that i really want to stress is that it's really cool because every like you said every competition the venue the the like the course is different so it makes it more um more like genuine to the, the essence of skateboarding uh, yeah. if it was like the same like course everywhere like you could have people stay in the gym and train for four years and just like 
do one the run. Same and, thing. Yeah. yeah. So whereas if it's different every contest, the best skateboarder is going to be the one who wins. Like the the one because in skateboarding you have to be able to adapt to any terrain, and yeah. that's one very important thing that skateboarders were afraid of that it would just like become something like like artistic skating, you know, where you can just yeah. train for four years and and Doing win and it's thing. not yeah exactly so but yeah so the design you get the design one week in advance and then you get there you have usually you have two like one hour per day like monday and tuesday for example you're gonna have an hour each day to practice um oh. yeah it's not a lot of time <laughs> yeah no so i mean you definitely just need to be good because like yeah. you're not you're not about to really build that skate park you know, like in Montreal to practice ahead of time. No, exactly. So, so you get there and you have an hour of practice and it's because there's so many people who go because they have qualifiers for, for each qualifiers. Okay. Basically. <laughs> so many uh, have, yeah, exactly. So you have to qualify um, to be in the, like in the semifinals. Um, so as I said, like every country brings, let's say three people. So that's like 200 and I don't know, let's say like 250 people show up for each discipline for each gender, let's say. Wow. So that's, that's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So the, you have qualifiers before the, the event and they only take, let's say like top 40 for the semifinals. Okay. So, and then, and then they go from there. Um, so yeah, so basically like, that's why you only have one hour a day because it's so many people and everyone mm. needs to have at least an hour of practice. So it's one hour with like, I think it's like 20 or 30 people and it's pretty small. Like the, 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 the yeah. courses are really small. So that's, that's also a problem. And especially for park, like they have to find a way because you can only be one person at a time in the bowl. Otherwise you would die. Yeah, <laughs> there would be so many collisions. So sometimes like you, you have um, problems where like, let's say like Faye, like that 10 year old kid, she only gets like two runs in an hour because everyone's just going and there's no structure. So now for 2020, which is going to be 2021 now, but they're mm -hmm. trying to find a, like they're going to have structured practice. So okay. they're like, everything's adjusting right now because like everyone's trying to do their best, but you have to adjust to like every single problem and possibility that's happening so it's been it's been like hard but I think for the next Olympics it's going to be pretty um pretty well uh organized, organized. Yeah. yeah yeah well for sure it's 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 the first time right so they're probably just kind of testing things and trying to see hope for the yeah. best and got to make exactly. that hour count obviously do you have a do you have a course that you that's like your favorite course to do um, well, they're always different, and they're each skate park is always different. But I, I do have like favorite, let's say like skate parks in around Montreal. Yeah. <clears throat> I have skate parks that I really like. That like all like there was one in Mont Tremblant that I drive up to like every almost every week. <laughs> if I'm being honest, just because it's never really good. Of Mont Tremblant as a skateboarding. <laughs> they have a really good <laughs> skate park, but that's what yeah. I mean. Like that, and they're gonna next year they're gonna i live in a hunsik and they're gonna build one like a really good one where i actually started skateboarding they're gonna build a really cool skate park nice. and um it's gonna be right next to my house <laughs> Very but uh, yeah. yeah but for like uh, competition courses it's um it's hard to tell because like in skateboarding there's no like everyone builds their their own bag of tricks and right. like learn you learn the tricks that you like and you don't spend time on the ones that you don't like, which mm -hmm. makes sense. So that's why everyone has a different like bag of tricks and different style. And um, it's like, it's very uh, personal. And right. uh, so if I see a course, like I'm on, I'm like, I can't be like, Oh, this course is bad. It's just like, Oh dang. Like there's not much I can mm -hmm. do on this. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's always like, up to it. and that's why the best skateboarder is one who can adapt and skate anything that's presented to him or her um so there's been uh times where i'm like i look at the course and i'm like oh oof, this is gonna be hard and sometimes i'm like 
this is my course. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm yeah. going to do this, do this, do this, and it's just going to be easier because you know you don't have a lot of practice. If I had like a week of practice, I could adapt to anything, you know? Right. But if I only have two hours to adapt, uh, it's not as it's not as easy. <laughs> yeah, it makes it even more challenging, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so since everybody's kind of bringing their own tricks and they and it's very personalized, how how are the results computed? Like, is it judges? Is it, you know, like, how does it work if everything is, you know, the course stays the same, but everybody brings their own flair to it? So, like, mm-hmm. well, how do you... Well, even it's even it? harder that the fact that the course changes at every contest yeah. really <laughs> makes it even harder. Um, it, there's judges. So uh, that, that also evolved a lot because there's been, like, glitches in judging for some competitions but um this is also getting so much better and so much <clears throat> more uh, objective um so it's a i think they have five judges uh and so let's say like for a specific trick um because another i'm gonna add a layer of complexity here but in street skateboarding <laughs> you have two runs so you have two 45 second runs like each skater just goes for 45 seconds you do your tricks and, and they count a lot on um, like style and flow and, and the, the trick selection and um, um, how do you call it? Like if you fall, like you lose, you lose points. Um, yeah, like just, I guess errors or something. No, uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah, so if you fall, you lose points and, uh, and all of that. So you have two runs of 45 seconds. You get a score for that. And it's actually like, I don't know much about like how they score, but I know it's really <clears throat> thorough. Like, it's not just like, oh, overall, like, because before it used to be like overall impression. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're like, now I they're like getting, that one. <laughs> that was yeah, nice. They're getting, they're getting very, uh, it's very thorough now. Like it's obviously because okay. it's Olympic. Yeah. So, and so there's that. And then after you get five attempts for, what they call what we call best tricks so let's say like i plan two runs and then i plan five best tricks um and so basically it's just like you do any trick you want on any obstacle in the skate park and if Mm -hmm. you landed this score you on on that trick and if you don't land it you get zero and at the end so you get seven scores total so your two runs five best tricks and they pick your four best scores that's how and it's on 40 so every it's all counted on 10 so okay. Your your final score is going to be on forty. I see. And uh, and it's actually like like now you can actually look at the Olympic qualifiers and like Adam, for example, the coach, like he can be like that's going to be like seven point nine, and it's going to be really close. You know, like they they have enough structure where you can kind of predict the scores of every everything. So even if you're, but it's it's always so hard to. Like you never know how, like how they're gonna judge any like a bigger obstacle is gonna be worth more points. A uh, more technical trick is gonna be worth more points. But what's more technical? Like is this more technical than this? Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's it's really hard and for athletes to know which tricks are gonna be scored better. So I think like my personal strategy has just been like like just focus on the best that I can do and mm-hmm. not focus too much on like the strategy with the points because then it just stresses me more and I'm <laughs> I feel like I have more chances to miss it <laughs> to miss yeah. if I'm just focused on like okay she did like she made a front side lip slide on that rail so that's that's 7.1 so if I do this <laughs> like that's that's why Adam's there too he's he, he's gonna be like hey like do the do the now big spin on that thing like that's gonna be worth like you know like he he focuses on the point aspects and I I just try to focus on skateboarding yeah (laughs) I mean it sounds like there's a lot more sort of strategy to it now because there's so many like variables that you know lead to one score or the next and yeah you could get totally get lost in like trying to see what other people did or do I guess like my question is like when you're planning sort of your run, I know you're not thinking too much of the score, but like has it when you have your 45 seconds, 
do you always do exactly what you like planned out or has there been times where you were like you were going to do a certain trick and then you go out there and then you kind of just like end up doing something else or is it are you very like strict with you know I'm going to go do these whatever well, these seven things? It, it depends like if if I um because in a run you always have like filler tricks kind of and yeah, like okay. you have better better tricks so okay. if I miss something like and I, I know I still have like eight seconds I'm going to try one of the bigger tricks even if I was going like in my okay. planned run I was supposed yeah. to to go for like a filler and because I know I'm not going to make it to the last trick or something so that okay. that's the way that that can change also before a contest when you get the plans you can like I always start planning my runs the mm -hmm. way I see the course but then when you get there sometimes you're like oh I thought that was closer to the like I can't okay, I don't yeah. have enough speed or I don't have like so you have to adapt um but as far as like I usually one time I changed my like one of the the guys who skate in street was like, oh, you have like, <laughs> that's going to be technical, but he's like, oh, you have two, two like variations of front board in your run. Maybe you should like change it to like another trick. And then he said that like right before I was about to skate <laughs> and I changed it and I missed everything. Like, you know, cause I had practiced yeah. the other one and I was like, so that's something that I'm, I like when you, when I practice a run, I'm gonna try to stick with it because I've been pra like I've been practicing it. So you also have the muscle memory that that that's playing a big role in skateboarding. Sure. Uh, so if I've been like trying a run for like two days, <laughs> and uh, and if I change it, then I don't know if the speed's gonna be right. If like if I'm gonna come at a, at the right angle for like for the rail or for anything like that's that's that all has to be planned. And of course. Like if I'm skating for fun, I don't mind. But if I, if the results of like this specific try of this specific run is going to decide if I'm going in the semifinals or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's a bigger, <laughs> that's a bigger um, bargain. For sure. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about this because there's so much that goes into it that we, well, I've never known about. I don't think Mel's never known. Like the the level of complexity. I feel like that's the almost the word of this podcast. It is skateboarding is a compl more complex sport <laughs> than one would think. I mean, and, it looks complex. And it like. looks complex. I've been on a skateboard once, and I kept like ramming into a fence. So I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah, we should go try. <laughs> we should try. Let's try it again. Maybe we'll come to Ahuntsic when uh, they build that skate park. But um, Annie, we. But Yes, sorry. Just an, uh, one last thing. Yeah, it's, it's, skateboarding is hard if you don't try it like in the right in in like a good um, context. Like it's like bicycle. <laughs> like if everyone was just like, oh, I tried bicycle once, I fell. Like obviously, if you don't yeah. have someone to show you how it works, yeah, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna fall. Same with same with swimming. <laughs> but you might have um, to take a lesson then, Annie. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like I, I've been for the past three years since I finished my since I finished my my master like the, I didn't know what I wanted to do after so I started um I, I called it all girls skate date in Montreal so it's yeah, just like, we all, gonna... like yeah exactly but that's the thing and then now it's now it's before COVID it was monthly like girls uh, monthly meetups mm -hmm. and it's actually been so good like so like the scene of women skateboarders in Montreal it's growing so fast and it's actually such a like positive and cool community and i think that's important to to talk about because it's mm. even like worldwide <clears throat> wow my my phone <laughs> worldwide <laughs> worldwide uh women skateboarding is growing three times faster than men that's i think awesome. that's really wow. cool yeah that's really cool so i just want to say like obviously like it's normal that it's not easy if you just try to like step on a skateboard and most people are just gonna like whip out and fall um but i swear like when i teach skateboarding for an hour like you can push break turn and you're not gonna fall no Unless i think i just had very little willpower <laughs> at the time yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to show up yeah. i mean since you brought it up because like i think it is important like how can people find this group and and if someone is interested in kind of starting skateboarding, like, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but, like, is the best way to just find, find like, meetup groups, like, 
all the all girls skate date or just show up to a park and 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 say hi yeah i think if if there's uh like initiatives like we have in montreal in in your city then it's obviously i think the best way to do it um but if not just just having like one friend who wants to learn with you like that that can really help and then at the skate park most people are going to be like super open to like giving trick giving tips sorry and um but in montreal we do have like many communities uh for women or for like anyone who just wants to to try so it's it's um it's really cool that we can maybe like well i can name them there's daisy's angels and there's um there's a vagabond in montreal so okay. these are like two really cool groups on facebook and instagram uh And um, and there's my, my the monthly meetups that I do are uh, with Van, uh, but they're not happening now because of coronavirus. But it's on my personal Facebook page. <laughs> okay, that's awesome, and I'm really glad you brought it up because I think it's a good note to end our conversation on, and 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 the impact that you've had on girls and women as well. I know that you've been kind of an ambassador in that regard. I, I read that you read that you formed the the skirt borders, I believe, when which was the first Canadian female skate crew at age 16. And then now you talk about all girls skate days. And, and, and I think that it's so important to highlight, you know, and to make and, and to, to show that skateboarding as a community is becoming more inclusive and diverse. So definitely you can count on us on sharing links when this episode comes out to those, those groups that you mentioned. Um, and Annie, I just, I just want to thank you for your time. There's, I would love to ask you more about your thesis. because I read about it. You did a thesis in skateboarding, but I know you have things to do. So perhaps no, if you want, you can. Add, yeah, if you if you want, we we can talk about it for. I still have five minutes. All right, in five minutes, if you could just talk to us. You did a thesis in skateboarding, which I think is so cool, and I and you focused in on North America, right? So maybe just talk to us a little bit about your, you know, the thesis itself, and you know, has your experience as a skateboarder informed your research, or did your research once you've completed it, or once you were doing it, did it inform the way? you approach skateboarding in your everyday life yeah so it's um it's so i did my bachelor in marketing and then i did my master in business strategy and i really wanted to do a thesis i actually wanted to do a doctorate when i was young like that was like my thing um but i decided to so i had to pick a subject for my thesis in business strategy And at the time, like, I just had no idea what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it on Hydro-Québec and, like, sustainability or something. Oh, wow. And I applied, I applied, I applied for, like, a bursary um, for the government. And uh, within, like, before I got my, my answer from the government, I realized that I could maybe research, like, the skateboarding industry because that would be really cool. And, like, there was not a lot of people like not a lot of literature on that on the subject obviously so um so I changed my my I framed my subject um and I applied for a bursary from the government and I I got I actually got like 18k to do my research which was really cool oh wow that's and awesome. um yeah and um what I wanted to to study is uh so with the olympics coming uh well the possibility of the of skateboarding becoming an olympic sport There was a backlash from the skate community, as we talked about, mm -hmm. and I wanted to see if, like, how the 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 managers within the skateboarding, like all the the people uh, taking decisions in skateboarding, uh, how did they see the Olympics, and like, how did did they feel like there was a possible contradiction between the subculture of skateboarding and right. the commercialization of skateboarding, and like, how did that affect their strategies and how they they planned on like um reacting or not reacting but how they planned on like managing or handling managing yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so um so i i went like with that money i actually drove i took my dog and like my car and i drove all across um like in canada and um and the us uh i went all the way to la and and florida and like a bunch of places And um, 
it's it was really really cool and um if i'm being really brief um so i found that there was like three ways of three like major discourse and or ways to deal with that so there was uh, one that i called the um, nostalgics mm-hmm. so people who were really against um the olympics they're not going to try to take is that take it as an opportunity they were more like they they missed the old days and like when skateboarding was like a core thing and and that's i think it was, that was like 80% of the of the managers at the time mm-hmm. that's in 2016-17 so okay. it probably changed a lot but uh, so there was the nostalgics there was the um, pragmatics so people who were basically they were saying that they were in it for the money okay. and they were like skateboarding yeah it's my passion but it's but it's my business and I'm going to make money like I'm going to find out opportunities and that was like 2%. Like that was not a lot of oh, people wow. thought that way. Um and then there were promoters who were like we're going to try to take that opportunity like all the mainstream we're trying to we're basically trying to take the money from the mainstream and bring it to the community and then mm-hmm. make a virtuous circle with that. Um so it was really interesting to to see like the three ways and I think it helped some businesses to go through and like take decisions because it, it was actually very hard even for skateboarders like even me as like a person mm-hmm. it was hard to decide what i thought about the olympics and all of that so i can't imagine if you have to take business decisions yeah you know? <laughs> so uh, so that was really interesting so that that was my my thesis and it kind of it's funny because it kind of helped me take my own decision of like like the the promoter model is actually like speaks to me a lot mm-hmm. yeah it helped you work through your own kind of emotional thoughts in your relationship yeah. to your sport which i mean that's a good way to do it and you get your uh, masters with it too exactly. I think it's interesting i mean it's, it is probably a really great resource for for businesses because you've kind of just created like a little bit of a summary of like what people's feelings are towards you know skateboarding becoming an olympic sanctioned event and you know i think it overall it in general i think it is nice that you do see some positives with it and i think you know the fact that you're on the board you get a hand into mm-hmm. what the future of the sport might look like which is nice because like a lot of historical sports you know have are set in really old cultured ways and it's really hard to change something that's been established for a long time so it is nice mm-hmm. that you kind of get a, uh i guess in carte blanche at the moment to yeah. hopefully make it you know what you would like it to be in the next you know next olympics and the, the ones that follow yeah <laughs> But thank you so much, Annie, for taking the time to speak with us. Um, you know, I hope we weren't too pushy with the, the nitty gritty of skateboarding. But I think it's important <laughs> no, of course not. Because, you know, it's it's an interesting sport. And, you know, I think like any other sport that doesn't have get high visibility, it's like knowing where to, to watch you guys and, and how to support you guys. And, you know, I hope you know, once COVID kind of ends and uh, events start happening, I would definitely be able to attend some Montreal events. And maybe Safi and I will try to meet to an all-girls skate date. <laughs> Why not? It's never too late to try, right? <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool just to go watch. Let's do it. Well, definitely yeah, watch it. Putting it into action. I mean, you know what? We'll, we'll make a video and we'll send it to you just so you can see uh, what we look <laughs> like on a skateboard. <laughs> Annie, before we let you go, could you just let uh, you know our listeners know where they can find you uh, on social media and mm-hmm. whatnot? Yeah, of course. So my Instagram is actually like my name, so Annie Guglia, but the A, the first A is the like at. <laughs> I don't know. How to, yeah, you know the I mean? ampersand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm. And it's the same for TikTok and. Um, and uh, my full well I have an athlete page on Facebook so you can follow me on Facebook and that's actually where I post events of like these girls monthly meetups so awesome well thank you so much Annie for for being with us today and you know what we're looking forward to watching you at the Olympics and at other competitions before then yay thank you so much 
That's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening to our episode with Annie Guglia. Please subscribe to our podcast. You can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It takes five seconds to do. Please, if you have five seconds, go and rate and review it. We'd really, really, really appreciate it. Every rating, every review goes a long way. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Balado Quebec. We want some love. You can also <laughs> show us some love on Facebook and Instagram at Away From The Play and on Twitter at Mel underscore and underscore Sass. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, for myself, it's at Sass underscore on the go. And for Mel, it's at Mel the Rock altogether. <laughs> Mel the Rock. <laughs> Special thanks to Mathieu Brutus for the music and Nai Malouf for the brand new logo. Give them a follow on Instagram and we look forward to seeing you next week.